This morning we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. So while you turn there, I'll begin. It was probably a week ago uh, or longer, and this happens probably regularly for me, where I laid uh, awake at night, unable to, to sleep. And I thought I was tired enough to fall asleep, but there I was, uh, wide awake, thoughts roaming through my mind. And, and, it, and it, this week I wondered how many of you joined me in that practice on a weekly basis. How often do you lie awake thinking about something, whether it's the next week's schedule or or how are you going to pay your bills this month? Or, or maybe single people here, will you ever get married? Will you have a family? Something you desperately want. And you, you think through that. Or, or just the concerns in life that are weighing heavy upon you and, and you dwell on those thoughts. When was the last time you wait, laid awake at night? The plan of your life wasn't going the way you thought it would. And so you're contemplating all that's what's, what's going to happen next. This morning, we're going to consider Joseph of Nazareth. He probably couldn't remember the first time that he held the tools of a carpenter in his hands. I'm sure as far as he could remember, the palms of his hands were always callous because of the hard labor that he was born into in his family. He came from a long line of builders who prouded themselves as master craftsmen. To them, a table was more than a a table. It, It told a story of beauty and structure strong enough to hold a feast and beautiful enough to gather people around it. See, a table tells the truth about its craftsmen. It doesn't lie. There was dignity in the work of Joseph. And to be a good craftsman meant having a good name. And so when when Joseph's betrothed, Mary, was suddenly expecting a baby, Joseph wasn't sure what he would do. I'm sure he laid awake at night, on many nights, pondering what he would do. He loved her, but it seemed in that moment that she had betrayed his trust. Joseph, as we will find out, was a good man. He was a faithful man. He was hardworking, and he didn't want to shame Mary. But what would he do? His bride-to-be, the one that he was promised to marry, was pregnant, and he wasn't the father. His world was spinning now. The the burden weighed heavily on his heart, flooding his thoughts and his dreams. He was an honest, hardworking man, and I'm sure he dreamed of having a son of his own to whom he could teach the family trade. He, He dreamed of a married life. He wanted to be married. He dreamed of a home of his own to raise his kids. He dreamed of the respect that he would continue to have in the community as a master craftsman. But Mary's condition threatened all of that in waking the young man from his dreams to a harsh reality of what life was going to look like now. He knew that the moment approached when he would have to act. He would have to do something. And when he considered his options, his heart ached and he lied awake at night knowing that he would have to put her away. So would Joseph follow God? Or would Joseph follow his heart? Would he be more worried about what others thought? Or would he concern himself what God thought? This morning we're going to look at just a couple verses in Matthew chapter 1. And it's a familiar passage, but you'll be helped to have a Bible open. There are some provided there in your seats. We encourage you to grab one there. If you don't have a Bible, please take that as a gift for you. And we're going to look at just Matthew 1, 
18 through 25. But before we get there, here is the main idea. If you're looking for one main thing to either write down or take a picture on the screen, this is the main thrust of the sermon. Following God means you accept the disgust, embrace the adventure, and admit you're a sinner. Following God means you accept the disgust, embrace the adventure, and admit you're a sinner. And I will unpack that here. We're going to look at one person this morning, Joseph, and what it means to follow God. And so there's three points as we walk through this, and I love to alliterate, so they're all started with A. The abhorrence or hatred of the world, the adventure with God, and the acceptance of rescue. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the first point we're going to see here this morning is the abhorrence of the world. When we come to Matthew 1, we come to Joseph and the fiance Mary, and, and he's just about to end the relationship as we read. God had already come into Mary's life, but God was just, to be about, just about to be rejected by Joseph. During those days, the marriage process was much different than what we have here in America. Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married, but as we read, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant from Mary herself. And this is an issue because in those days, there was a year between engagement and marriage and the consummation of marriage. And and the bride and groom spent literally little time around each other, but she's pregnant and they hadn't been together. So this causes a problem. I'm sure Joseph, in those moments when he finds out, felt betrayed, even alone, and and in life now stuck. Would his name be muddied now? His bride-to-be was pregnant, and, and he wasn't the father. Maybe he felt anger or frustration. He was trying to be faithful, waiting for their marriage day, and here she is pregnant, and so he considers what he's going to do about this. He could have brought her before the leaders, and and she would be shamed in public and punished for this action. They took marriage very seriously in in Israel, and so the adultery would would be cause for being stoned to death. But Joseph really loved her. He really cared for her. He was an honest and, and faithful man, and so he decided to quietly put her away, divorce her, really. Divorce here means to break the engagement, because the engagement in those days was a very binding thing, so he's going to end this relationship. He'd be breaking the betrothal and be walking away from the commitment that he made to her. And in Joseph's mind, this was the righteous thing to do. She did wrong. It was against God's law. God's law in Deuteronomy was very clear, Deuteronomy 22, of what God thought about this. But he wasn't a mean or vindictive man. He was going to divorce her quietly. She'll be disgraced eventually, but he'll put it off and ease the pushback on himself. But God steps in, and God would not allow this to happen. He sends an angel to warn Joseph, and he's really chastising him. See, Joseph 
your, your problem is that you're, you're, you're not trying to do the right thing. Joseph, your problem is that you're a coward. That's what he's saying. Don't be afraid. Did you catch that? Don't be afraid, Joseph. Joseph didn't say he was afraid. He just thought he was doing the right thing. But the angel says it's fear to do this thing. It's fear of what will happen. He was acting like a coward. And here's the point. Following God means you're willing to accept the abhorrence of the world, the hatred of the world. To follow God means you will accept what, what the world would think of you, the repulsion. Those who are not following God will hate those that are following God. And it takes boldness to follow God in His Word. Joseph knew that his life would be forever altered if he married Mary. Her life was already altered, ruined actually. Imagine all the plans she had as a teen of what she was going to do with her life, and it was changed now. By the way, God didn't ask permission before she became pregnant. God acted, and she was pregnant. Her life was already blown up from the world standard. And now Joseph would join her and blow up his life too. For Joseph to join her meant that he would be disgraced in the world's eyes. If he divorces her, he takes the stand against her and saying, this is not my baby. So he could somehow protect his name, his livelihood. He would be still an honorable man. He, she was the cheat, not him. And so he could protect himself. He comes off clean and, and, and free, but she would bear all the weight of this. But if Joseph decides to follow God here, he bears the weight of shame with her. And he will feel the disdain, the repulsion, the abhorrence of the world. He would be mocked. He would lose business because of this. His career would be affected because of this. And the same is for any one of us who decides to follow God. Following God means we know that God has forgiven us our sins because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Following God means we know God and we know we're going to spend eternity with Him. And the world sees that as arrogant. The fact that you say you know God sounds like you know everything. Friends, you cannot follow God unless you're willing to accept the hatred, the abhorrence of the world. Have you seen it before? Have you seen it in your own life? People who thought so highly of you before you became a Christian, and now they think differently. Now they take a step back. They're, they're unsure what to think of you. You might be a nice person, but you kind of come across as foolish now and misguided. They don't understand how you can follow God and then give up on your dreams that you had. And it can affect your career as well. It affected Joseph's career. It can affect your career. In fact, the, in the last few months, I heard of an elder in the church in Berlin, Germany, this past year, who preached a sermon about the validity of the Bible and the sanctity of human life. And when his employer then saw the sermon online, went and asked them in a very gracious way, but said, please take down the sermon. This will affect your career. In fact, well, it'll bring a demotion here at work. You can stay an elder in the church, but you need to take the sermon down. And so he pondered, what, what, what should he do? He left the message online and quit his job. See, the world abhors Christianity. It finds it disgusting and shameful 
to follow God. See, it is foolish. I mean, this elder was fearful what would happen, but if you look at Mary and Joseph, they're fearful too. What will this mean for their lives? Friends, it's always safer to follow God. And what about the people who, who probably were disgusted with Mary and Joseph? Have you heard of any of their names? Are they listed anywhere? They're nowhere to be found in the history books. But everyone, everyone knows of Mary and Joseph. Not just church people who come to church on Christmas morning. Everyone knows of Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph knows what it means to follow God. And so we learn from Joseph that to follow God and his plan means that we will be hated by the world. We'll be abhorred, revulsed by the world. Second is the adventure of God. The second thing we see is the adventure, what it is to follow God, submitting your life to him. Do you, do you notice the specific directions that the angel gave to Joseph here in the passage? It says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he was to take upon himself the shame of the world for what God had done. And, and he was to have a son. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now this is significant to understand, okay? Joseph would not be able to name his son. The angel instead tells him what his son will be named. Parents have the name or the right to name their children. Naming your children is a sign of authority. You have the authority to name something that your own. If you invent it, you get to name it. If you begin a company, you get to name it. If you have a child, you get to name it, no matter what your parents and parents-in-law think. It's your child, you get to name it. Because this child is under your management. But the angel commands Joseph to name him Jesus. He takes away Joseph's control because this child will not come under his management, but he will be under Jesus' management. This is not some ordinary baby. Jesus is wholly different. Following God means you follow Him in the adventure that He has planned for you, not what you have planned for yourself. God gets to name your life. God gets to name your adventure. This is another big reason why people reject God and not follow Him. They want control over their life. I've heard people say it with words, but more, I see it with their actions, that they're not interested in following God because that means they'll have to obey Him, and they don't want to obey Him. What are they doing here? They're saying, I want to name you, Jesus. I want to be the one who's in control. I think I know what's best. I want Jesus, but I want Jesus on my own terms. I get to name Him. I get to say what I should do with my life. But friends, when you follow God, if you say you follow God, you must drop all of your conditions for following Him. That means you give up the right to say, I will obey you if you do this. If you say that, you're saying that God can be an advisor in your life, but He's not Lord of your life. 
God is not tame, and God will not tell us every turn in our life. He is Lord. He is master. He is commander, and we're not. To follow God means we submit ourselves to Him in the adventure that He has planned for us. We give up control of our life, and we follow Him wherever He takes us. And friends, being a Christian, following God, is an adventure. Is it not? And this is something that the world thinks is absolutely crazy. They really think we're crazy for this, that we would somehow give up control of our life to follow God. Jesus said to us, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus is saying, you give up control of your life to allow God to have control. And it's an adventure. So who has the right to name you? Who has the right to tell you what to do with your life? It's God. He made you. He created you. He is Lord. You are not. So we need to take our hands off our lives and submit ourselves and our everything to God. He knows. He knows best how to lead in our lives. He knows better than you do. He knows what's best for you. And He promises but friends, if you go back in the Old Testament, I dare you to find a promise that God hasn't answered. You won't. Everything He promises, He will fulfill, and He promises He will never leave you, and He will never forsake you. He will always be there, and that adventure is worth living. So that's number two. Here's number three, the acceptance of rescue. This is the last thing. You cannot follow God unless you admit that you need Him, unless you admit that you need to be rescued. The angel says, look in verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. The angel's announcement means that you cannot save yourself. You can't do it. Your sins have plunged you to death. And Jesus had come to rescue you. So we need to admit that we need rescuing. You need to admit that you're not enough, that you cannot live your life that you, the way you think you can. You cannot do what's needed to bring eternal life, to be accepted by God. You need God to rescue you. It means we humble ourselves. It takes resolve and strength and courage to admit that we need God to rescue us. You don't need a helping hand from God. You don't need just good encouragement from God. You don't need a pat on the back from God. You need to be rescued by God because you can't do anything on your own. Are you willing to say, I am a moral failure? that I don't love God with all my heart and soul and strength, and I don't love others as I love myself, and that I am guilty, and I need forgiveness and pardon before I need anything else in this world. See, it takes humility to admit these things because it means that you're putting aside your old self, and you're putting on the new self that God supplies for you. And this really is the great message of the Bible. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. All of us, every single one of you here seated this morning, 
We're made to know God, and we've separated ourselves from God by our sin, and we deserve His judgment by the way that we live. But God, by His great love in Jesus Christ, has come and lived a life deserving no punishment, and He's taken our sins upon Himself on the cross, the sins of all those who repent and believe in Him. And He calls us now to repent and to turn from ourselves and to believe in Him. Friends, this is the great message of Christmas, that Jesus came, the infinite became infant, to live and to die for us and to give us new life. This is what we celebrate. This is what the world is celebrating today. A lot have no idea what they're celebrating. But praise the Lord, still in the world, we can celebrate Christmas, and this is what it's about. Jesus coming to rescue us. Jesus came to earth for you. The greatest gift you could receive this Christmas is to admit your need for him, that you needed to be rescued, to turn from your sins and to turn to Jesus Christ. So friends, I I implore you to do that today, to come find me if you have questions. I would love to talk with you or another elder or pastor here. This new life in God is the foundation for all other things in your life. And Jesus will bring those things into your life. All the comfort, all the hope, all the joyful humility and everything else. See, following Christ doesn't mean you give up everything and your, and your life is now plain and bland. You need to talk to more Christians. That's not how life is. Jesus gives you back much more than you lost. Joseph knew that God's way was the right way. He knew that Mary had accepted this life and he follows her in her love for the Lord. And the only way for Mary to be saved in this culture was for Joseph to give up his life and to marry her. And the only way for Joseph to be saved was for Mary to give up her life and to give birth to this God-child. They both recognize their need to be rescued, and they both submit their lives to God for whatever He desired for them. Friends, this is what it means to follow God. This is a beautiful picture of what it means. You know, the world will mock us for submitting ourselves to Him and not living our life as we so please. But the only way to follow God is to know we need His grace and we need His rescue and we gladly accept it. I encouraged, I, I, I warned a few of you before this would be a short sermon. And it is. We're going to end our time here in a minute by singing another well-known Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I want to say one thing before we sing. So, on, on the third verse of that song, It says, mild he lays his glory by. Do you know what mild means there? Mild? It means it wasn't violent. It wasn't coerced. It wasn't forced. Mild he lays his glory by. Jesus laid his glory aside voluntarily, willingly, lovingly. No one made him do it. He did it because of love. It wasn't just duty. We do things for duty all the time. But that wasn't it. He came and he identified with us and lived with us and he died for us and he did it on his own accord. He laid his glory aside. And when we see the story of Joseph and Mary, we see him looking at Mary losing her life for him 
and He lays down His life for her. And Jesus does the same for us, friends. Mild, He lays His glory by, and because of that, we're able to face all of these things in life because Jesus died for us. So you're not really giving up your life to follow Jesus because Jesus gives you so much more. So friends, are you following God? I pray that we will all follow Him wherever He leads. It is a grand adventure, and it's worth it, friends. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You that we can gather this morning to sing of You, that we can gather this morning as the body of Christ. We thank You for everyone that's seated here. We thank You for our, our church family, the members that make up this church, and, and their extended family that came. We thank You for the courage, really, in our world today to set aside the, the traditions that we have. And we love those traditions, God, of Christmas and what that means, and we set it aside to come and to gather and to worship because today's the Lord's day. Today's Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday is that. We remember today, specifically, you coming to earth to die for us, and we remember today that you died for us to bring us salvation, and we, we praise you for that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for rescuing us and for keeping us until you come back for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' most glorious name. Amen.